these guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. We are two days away from the NBA trade deadline, which means sometime in the next 48 hours, Kyle Tagge, Tim Connolly is going to cook. And it's, <laughs> Tim Cook. And it's going to be glorious. Yeah. I kind of want to play a game here. And we will do because you're going to be you're at the Waste Management Open this week. Later this week, week. Yeah, I'm headed out. Uh, good timing by me, of course, the big planner I am uh, to go on a little vacation during trade deadline week, although it's been a tr- slow trade deadline so far. But yeah, uh, I'll be in Scottsdale this weekend for the Waste Management and then catch the Super Bowl and I'll be back uh, next week. Dude, the way have you been to the waste management open? I have not, but one of my best friends that we're going with has, and it's going to be an experience. Although, again, okay. not to get super weathery, but it looks like there's a Pineapple Express, not the movie, but the weather storm coming through. So there might be some rain in the desert, which it's like, ah, didn't sign up for that. But uh, I've played, I've watched golf in worse scenarios, so I'm excited to check it out, throw some beer cans, uh, and then if something does happen by Thursday, I'm sure I will forcefully call in to whatever platform well, you're doing and uh, and give my takes well we yeah so a few a few things here put a put a pin in the waste management yep. open we'll circle back in a second but uh we're gonna do a random wolf of the week today i know your confidence is shaken after a few straight losses man. here and now it's a it's a short week of rest for you but we're gonna do that today uh on the waste management open i've never been it's a bucket list item for me so i will be living vicariously through your instagram stories or whatever I think every golf tournament should have that exact vibe. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about being quiet when players are teeing off. Like, just serve people whatever they want to be served. Don't worry about the quiet signs. Mm-hmm. Stadium vibes on all the par threes. Like, sign me up. Wow. Okay. Live and let live. You're, you've joined the dark side. I'm, I'm with you too. Maybe like Augusta, I would keep to still, you know, Some what, dollar fifty pimento cheese sandwiches and. Just the, their, the azaleas and the babbling yeah, brooks. The aura yeah. of golf and just being out in nature and fresh air and hearing the wilderness. It won't be spring. Hello, friends. Until Augusta. <laughs> uh, but I'm here. with you. I, I Just having more... I mean, I, I golf a lot and I have a speaker and, you know, listen to music and stuff, just having a good time. So I'm glad that, at least for the waste management, they kind of embrace that more. Uh, but I'm there. This is not a golf podcast, but we could totally do an hour on the changes they need to make to make it a better viewing experience. Uh, but it starts this weekend and it should be a pretty loaded field. Um, and I'm excited to go. But yeah, Minnesota Timberwolves, 48 hours. Is Shake All Milton going to be here when I tee off on Friday morning? Well, I have a list of Wolves trade candidates, names that have been connected via reports in the last three days Mm -hmm. to the Timberwolves. But we should shout out the Minnesota Golf Show. Shameless plug here. Oh, because the Minnesota Golf Show does take place this weekend at the Minneapolis Convention Center. For those of you not flying to the desert (laughs) to watch the PGA Tour, you can uh, you can drive your way into Minneapolis, the convention center. It's Friday through Sunday and specifically Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily will be podcasting live inside the golf show on the Josh Arnold investment stage at two o'clock on Saturday. So if you want to come out, tickets are very reasonable. MNGolfShow.com for all the information. You can check out uh, the exhibitors and just see all sorts of information. But Saturday at two o'clock, come hang out with Mackie and Judd, Purple Daily, and uh, you can sling some reckless speculation around with our drivers and pitching wedges that was the most natural transition we've had i had no idea that was happening but uh yeah there's a portland golf show out here which won't be as fun because they won't have 
my two favorite podcasters there, but uh, the <laughs> golf shows are a good time to go. I know you don't have any snow on the ground. Jim Pete was pretty adamant about that last week, so I know my friends are golfing this week, and the temps are respectable, especially for February, so go check out the golf show and then get a little uh, Purple Daily mixed in as well. LFG. LFG. I'm just going to give you names sort of one by one and tell you uh, where I saw these names connected okay. to the Timberwolves. And you tell me on a one to 10 scale of excitement of, oh, if this player joined the Wolves, I would be 10, like a 10 being when they traded for Jimmy Butler the first time around and before, you know, yeah or like when they, uh, well, I think people weren't really excited when they traded for Gobert. So like whatever the most excited you've ever been for a Wolves transaction for you is probably when they signed Kyle Anderson. Yeah, yeah that was some, something like that. Yeah. So, OK, that and a be... one and a one being like when they drafted Indy EB and everyone's like, what? This is the first first round pick we've had in like how long? Well, I think when Who's they traded guy? for Gobert again, I, I really planned my life so smartly around these big transactions. Uh, I had threatened to move to Mexico when that happened. So that was probably my one. Again, I was wrong. Rigo Bear has kind of changed the franchise. So, okay. One I feel to like ten. I talked you off that ledge on the first episode. Yeah, thanks. I think you were the voice of reason and I was the lunatic. But uh, yeah, let's go. I, I don't think I'm going to hit, just going to be honest, I don't think I'm going to hit anything above a seven on the excitement scale. But okay. uh, I think there's definitely some fives and sixes that could contribute and make this team a little better for this playoff push. So uh, throw out a name. Let's start with, uh, this is from John Krasinski, Associate, or Associated Press, wow. Uh, the Athletic used to be the Associated Press, but that was like seven years ago. Uh, Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, that one was a new one. Dane and I did a podcast last week, and we dropped a bunch of names, and Dane's as plugged in as anyone, but uh, that was not one on our bingo card. Uh, Schroeder's kind of bounced around. Uh, historically, one of the things I always think about with him is he turned down like a four-year, $80 million deal with the Lakers a couple of years ago. <sighs> And then ended up having to sign kind of like one-year deals since then. Uh, but Schroeder's in Toronto. Uh, he's kind of backing up quickly now after the Raptors made their two big trades. But he would be good. I mean, he he's a proven guy. You saw what he did for Germany in FIBA just last fall. Uh, again, Olympic basketball or international basketball is a little different. But he's he can take big shots. He can play really good defense. I don't know if he is the type of locker room presence that would be open to maybe from playoff game to playoff game, catching DNPs, which I think at times if Mike is playing really well and you got Nikhil in there and maybe five minutes of Jordan McLaughlin that you wouldn't need him. But it's an exciting name. I'm not exactly sure what his contract status is, if he's in the last year of his deal. But uh, he, he's a good player that would give them some some spacing, some playmaking, and then would be another defensive cog that wouldn't you know create some... Like a, what I said about McDermott, kind of making it a four-on-five defensively, he yeah. would be a guy you can just plug in and could play just as good defense in spots as Nikhil or Jaden. Uh, so I like that name. I'll, I'll give it. I'll give that one a six. I Okay, a six yeah. on Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, I think, man, he is... I'm like a five on Dennis Schroeder. Um, he, you know, he can play. Like, he's he would definitely yeah. be a rotation player. Can be a, he, he can definitely hit some threes, but he's also a really streaky three-point shooter. My biggest concern there would be, and if I'm missing something, let me know. He's actually under contract through next season yep. at $13 million as well. And I don't know how they make that work and bring back Mike Conley even on like a lesser contract and avoid the second luxury tax apron. And by the way, I'm not like pocket protecting 
you know, with Alex Rodriguez and Mark, I'm like strategically and transactionally, you don't want to be in the second luxury tax apron because it limits the yeah. things you can do with with roster moves. So I, I don't know that I see them putting $13 million of Dennis Schroeder on the books for next year. So and, for and that reason, it's a five for me. should probably preface it just in general that the way I would approach this, and there's been rumors, right? They've talked about how maybe the Wolves want to back up point guard. <clears throat> I know like Jake Fisher of Yahoo has talked about that and – you know, maybe they want to score. I'm sure, as Johnny K put it today in his article, that the Wolves will be aggressive in the buyout market, which is something that'll happen later this month. Um, but I would be approaching this through my small brain of what can we do to keep the books? If we send out expiring contracts, we want to bring in someone who's on an expiring contract because this summer we're going to have lots of conversations about all these sorts of aprons. But I want Mike Conley back. So I would not want to move like this that's like, hey, you know, maybe Schroeder's the starting point guard from Minnesota next year, when it's like you do everything you can to try to negotiate some sort of hometown discount or, you know, Mike, this is the best team for you this summer. And in a summer where only six or seven teams have cap space and all those teams, most of those teams are like Charlotte, Detroit, the Spurs, not very good teams. So does Mike want to go have to reinvent himself again this summer or does he want to stay with familiarity, a coach that he loves uh, teammates that he loves and a, and a roster that's built to win now. So that would maybe lower me from a six to a five, knowing that Schroeder, I mean, he's only 30, but uh, 13 million guaranteed on the books next year is not something I'm ready to wrap my head around. So uh, yeah, let's get someone else. Okay. So another one from Johnny K here at the athletic Kyle Lowry. Now this would be, so he's with the Hornets right now, but he hasn't actually played a game with the Hornets. If I'm not mistaken, after the transaction from a couple weeks ago, um, 37 years old. Now, this would be a buyout situation mm-hmm, here because mm-hmm. you're not there's there's no way you could finagle a trade and absorb his what like 30. Uh, it's a twenty nine point six million dollar prorated. But like you couldn't match salaries on that. So, right. It'd be it'd be a buyout situation. But how about Kyle Lowry in the twilight of his career as kind of a secondary to Mike Conley? One yeah, to ten I, scale. Yeah. And again, uh, the only concern i would have well two concerns is one i've watched a couple of his miami games and it's not like the miami heat are the deepest roster in the league and i know that they traded him to get rogier and that's a that's an upgrade but when he when lowry was on the miami heat earlier this season he was really not doing much um he again they're they're like leaning on him for 30 minutes a night still too he's he's not a 30 minute player anymore right so he would again we're all kind of trying to find this little piece of the puzzle that's not going to be better than Mike because you're probably not going to find an upgrade over Mike Conley, but can you find an upgrade over Jordan McLaughlin? I think Kyle Lowry would be that. Again, is is Minnesota even a good fit for him in the buyout market? I would imagine, you know, he played in near Philadelphia uh, when he went to college at Villanova. So the Sixers probably have a bigger hole at backup point guard, even with Pat Bev there and, and Maxie and stuff. So there's just other fits around the league that seem better for him. Uh, but I think what Johnny K was kind of, putting in his article today is that the wolves and this is what you actually have heard from other people is that they're very active and whether it be a deal prior to the deadline which is 48 hours from now or something in the buyout market they're going to try to find ways to add talent to this team so i'm not a big kyle lowry fan i'd probably put that at like a three just because i don't really see it i would just trust again how much how many minutes can you get out of mike and i've really liked what jordan mclaughlin has done coming off the bench he just gets the system he moves the ball he's not so ball dominant so it sounds crazy to say this but is Kyle Lowry at this age that much better than Jordan McLaughlin especially when you have to consider a roster spot 
and I don't know. So I would pass on that. Yeah, the thing about McLaughlin, too, is small sample size, but he's been hitting some threes the last couple weeks, too. <laughs> How sustainable is that? If he's hitting threes, yeah. I'll, I'll take him for 15 minutes a night if he can hit a three, you know? And he's doing the anti-Kyle Anderson thing of, I mean, he, he misses some. He's not, like, a high-volume guy. But he knows, again, the Iowa Wolf syndrome, the Finch ball movement of, if you if the ball moves enough on offense and you catch the ball in a spot where you're open to take a shot— he just lets it rip, and that to me is half the battle. Just that's what the offense is designed to do is to get you that shot in that spot on the on the floor. So he takes them. He's been making them. I don't know how sustainable it will be come March, April, and May. But uh, for now, I mean, if if for a team that has limited assets, Phil, as we know, right, a couple second rounders, a couple young guys, and then expiring contracts, you you have to be really strategic with where you improve your roster. And I think this roster needs just more pure shooting bucket getters, movement shooters, that type of thing at like a two guard, three position. Uh, the backup point guard to me has to be someone who's going to move the needle. And I don't think Kyle Lowry moves the needle. Okay. What about this backup point guard? This is from hoops hype. Now I will say uh, Doogie shot down part of this report on the scoop session today emphatically, but Tyus Jones has drawn trade interest from the magic Spurs, Nets, Lakers, and Timberwolves league sources have told hoops hype. The Wizards value Tyus as a potential piece going forward, so they'd like to keep him. And they're open to re-signing him in free agency this summer. Uh, but obviously, like Tyus gets to decide where he plays. As recently reported by Hoopsype, Washington would covet a future first-round pick to consider parting ways with Tyus Jones. Now, there was a report that the Wolves offered four second-round picks, but Doogie shot that down. Also, Tyus, in, in terms of salary matching and value, like he's a $15 million, a $14 million chunk. Uh, so it just makes it a little bit tougher. But your thoughts on Tyus Jones, 1 to 10 scale? Well, I think to your point, it was Matt Moore who reported that the Wolves had offered four second-round picks, and that was the day after Dane and I specifically said, I think the Wolves only have three second-round picks that they can even offer. So, so kind of didn't, <laughs> didn't pass the sniff test. And then Matt, who is really good at this, but he kind of walked that back and was like, actually, that I have confirmed that that didn't happen. So And Doogie is as plugged in as anyone. So he was very much out in front. I'm sure the Wolves would like Tyus again because he's a good player. Uh, and what is the price to get him? I've always thought it was a first-round pick, and that's kind of what the wizard stance is. But if you can get him for a couple seconds, I just come back to this idea, Phil. Again, Mike Conley is such an important piece of this, and we'll get into that even more with some of the Finch stuff and all these things that happened over the weekend. But uh, if you trade for Tyus then you're going to have to pay Tyus. And I, I think Mike Conley is going to resign this summer because he's going to look at the market, look at the area, and be like, my family loves it here. We could maybe call this home for like forever. I mean, they were going to do that in Utah. Uh, it's close to where he's from in Columbus or you know where he played college ball. So I think they'll be able to find a way to get Mike back on a cheaper deal. I'm not talking like $3 million, but if you trade for Tyus and you give up assets and you only have a couple things in the cupboard, then you have to be like, are we going to resign Tyus? Yeah. And I think Tyus will have a more fitting market. I mean, this could be Tyus's one chance to really get paid like a good contract. I mean, he would be a perfect fit starting alongside Jalen Suggs in Orlando or to go play next to Wemby in with the Spurs and his brothers down there. So he's the type of guy that with these bad teams having cap space this summer and having to spend it, he should go get a bag from one of those bad teams and try to elevate their play. I don't think the Wolves could resign him. And if you're not going to resign him, then I don't think it's worth you know, the reported four second round picks because that's right. every asset you have between now and 
2029. Yeah. So, I mean, I think most, and this is, this is why you got to be careful. Everything you just said too, about are you, you're making a trade for a rent a player right now. Yeah. I think, I think that's what you're doing. Cause if you look ahead to next year's cap situation and, and Dane Moore does the best job of anyone covering this team of sort of going through the, the specific details and the weeds of where the wolves are at cap wise, tax wise. But as I understand it, the projected NBA salary cap next year is $141 million. Mm-hmm. So it was initially going to be like 142, 143. It settled in at $141 million. So 141 cap. Now the NBA, I think we do, we do have some, some more casual Wolves fans or new Wolves fans that aren't immersed every day in the NBA's salary cap. Remember you're a Vikings fan and you've caught Wolves fever. The NBA salary cap is so much different <laughs> than the NFL salary cap. Uh-huh. Like the NFL salary cap is essentially a hard cap, but the player contracts are very manipulatable. You can you can take money from one year and shove the accounting into a future year. You can convert base salary to signing bonus and prorate over like there's all this stuff you need to manip- to manipulate contracts. And the NBA, the cap is soft and there's different levels of tax but the actual player contracts tend to be really ironclad on like mm-hmm. NFL player contracts. So it's kind of inverse. So the NBA salary cap next year is 141 million. The luxury tax line is 172 million. The first apron. So some penalties apply at 179. The wolves right now are at $185 million tied up in 11 players next year. So they are 44 million over the cap, 13 million projected over the luxury tax line, Six million projected over the first apron, and that doesn't include bringing back Mike Conley. Kyle Anderson is a free agent. Jordan McLaughlin is a free agent, um, and the, and then so they're eight, uh, they're five million dollars short of the second apron, which provides a bunch of different penalties and and restrictions. So if you add thirteen million dollars of who was the first player we talked about, um, Dennis Schroeder, Dennis Schroeder. Or if you're looking at, you know, signing Tyus Jones, I mean, that's going to Tyus Jones is going to command, what, $20 million in free agency next year? I mean, it's, I mean, something like, you know, I've always been a little aggressive. I just love getting these guys paid. Everyone that's listening to this should get all the money they can. But yeah, like maybe like four for 60 or something. So maybe like a 15 annual. Okay. Uh, yeah. But again, this and this is a good conversation because nothing has happened so far. I just checked X and there was no news to break. But uh. The Wolves, as we've laid out on multitude of pods, is they don't have many assets, and it's going to become more and more expensive. There will be conversations this summer about do you make a big trade with a Carl or a Nas or a Gobert to try to loosen up some of those financial restrictions that you might be facing. But we are in a weird order of operations, to throw it back to like, I don't know, was that math or chemistry, where we don't even like the ownership thing is still very much a thing, right? Like Mark and Alex are all over the place now and they're hanging out with 50 cent. uh, (laughs) But they haven't really gotten the keys yet. And we think that's going to happen later this spring. And then once they're in charge and they're the ones that have to cut the checks on these luxury tax payments, we don't know. And I'm sure the front office is working with them to know and have a better idea. But I just am torn between do you burn Every remaining asset you have right now, like a Phoenix, like the Phoenix Suns have do, they don't have any control over any pick basically between now and like when we all turn 50. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do that for a player that's a rental? But I also see the other side of it, right? Purple Daily, win one before we die. Like the Wolves have a window now to actually be a contender. Yeah. They have some things to work on, but do you also want to push your remaining chips in and make this your hand to try to, you know, 
win it all. And I'm torn on that. And that's why I say if, it, if it's a needle mover, right? Like Tyus Jones probably moves the needle a little bit more. I could talk, talk myself into it. A Kyle Lowry, I don't want to give up any assets for him. And like even a Dennis Schroeder, like I don't know if he moves the needle as much that I want to basically spend the rest of my limited budget on a guy like that. I'm going to give you four other names that that Hoops Hype has okay. reported the Timberwolves are sniffing around on, kicking the tires on. You tell me if any of these four players are like a six or a seven or above on a scale of one to ten for you. And by the way, all four of these guys expiring contracts and they make between like eight and a half and ten million dollars. So you wouldn't have to give up Kyle Anderson, say, to to make a trade happen. You could get it done with like Shake Milton and, you know, Wendell Moore or whatever, some other combination. Royce O'Neal, Nets. Uh, let's go uh, DeLon Wright, Washington. Monte Morris, Detroit. And Alec Burks also with Detroit right now. Royce O'Neal, 10. I know, 10. I, told you I, wouldn't, I know I wouldn't get above a, a 7. 10? I, again, not to what, double What about dip, LeBron? <laughs> nine and a half. Does nine I don't want the cryptic tweets. I've enjoyed a drama-free <laughs> season. No, the Royce O'Neal thing is, is perfect for a, a multitude of reasons. He's only like 30. He is an expiring contract. My preference for this team would just be another wing. So a guy that can shoot, a guy that can play a little defense. I don't want to say that Royce O'Neal is, you know, dollar brand Jaden McDaniels, but he kind of fits that mold of if you lose Jaden, you can put Royce in to play defense, but also space the floor. Obviously, you'd have Kyle, too, but he's not providing you any sort of floor spacing. And then Nikhil, yeah. as good as Nikhil has been, and he's been one of the most valuable players all season, he can't guard a level of wing that just has too much size for him. So, And kind of to top it all off, and then this shouldn't matter, but it kind of does, is Royce O'Neal played with Rudy. So yep. Royce O'Neal has some experience of playing alongside Rudy Gobert. We've learned now that that does nothing but help, kind of make everyone feel comfortable and understand how to speak French and to make Rudy work. So... Royce O'Neal to me is a 10. Uh, the Monty Morris stuff, I think he's been tied to the team because of the Tim Connolly factor. Uh, he started playing again, as we all know. He was banged up there with, I think, a hip or a hamstring or something. But uh, he'd be good. I mean, he'd be a solid uh, backup point guard off the bench and could play in spurts. I think he's a playoff player, and that's kind of what you're trying to figure out. Alec Burks to me, uh, Monty Morris, I'd say like a 5. Alec Burks to me is like a 7.5. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think Alec Burks is, he's like an eight for me. Okay. And pl and played with Gobert like five years ago in Utah. And again, that's stupid, but it probably matters. No, it, it, <laughs> you know what it I mean? does like, matter. He's a hard player if you've never played with him. Yep. Dude, it, it took half these guys a full year to figure out how to play with him. Right. So uh, that's another one. It's like, that makes a little sense. He doesn't need the ball in his hands. Again, they're not going to bring back Jalen Noel, and they're probably not going to be able to trade for Malik Beasley, but that type of player to me is just what they lack i love when Nikhil comes off the bench i mean he's shooting i think Nikhil's shooting 110 percent since christmas but kyle and Nas have their their roles and their specialties but they just there's not a lot of offensive punch and i worry that if there's a night come april or may playoff time where the wolves defense just hasn't traveled they just don't have it that night and they do need to outscore the opponent maybe it's you know the phoenix suns in game three down in phoenix can you just throw more offense out there to try to win that game and steal it? And Alec Burks would be another one. Who was the fourth? Morris, O'Neal, Burks, and then who was the fourth guy? Uh, Delon Delon Wright. Who's yeah, with he's bounced. He's been with like six different teams in eight years. 
Yeah, that was that was a guy that Dane mentioned last week on his pod that uh would just be like a perfect fit, like kind of another Nikhil would bring more defense, um, proven guy, vet, been around the league. So yeah, they're all we're, we're, you're kind of navigating now the a pool of the same types of players. So if Tim Conley is familiar with them, again, Tim Conley was pretty spot on last year's trade deadline. So whatever he ends up doing, even if it's not thing that exciting, I mean, you're looking around the league right now, it's never been this slow 48 hours before the trade deadline. So whether it's clogged up or just teams don't have the assets to even try to make deals, it's going to be interesting. But uh, all four of those guys would, in my mind, O'Neal, Morris, uh, Burks, and Wright would play. In my mind, they would be part of, you know, an eight well, and a half man rotation come come playoff time. So that would move the needle enough for me. But yeah, O'Neill and Burks would be the two I'd like the most. So Alec Burks, too. Here, here's another feather in his cap. This team needs someone that not every night, but that some nights can just go and get you like 20 or 25 points. Mm-hmm. That's not Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. And Alec Burks for the last four years is shooting 41% on three pointers, averaging six attempts per game in a bench roll, dude. Like yep. he comes in, he, I mean, he plays like 20 minutes and still gets off like five or six threes at a 40% clip. And he has games, again, off the bench. Now it's Detroit and there's some garbage time involved here. So it's, it, you know, take when this they for granted. the ball, it's garbage time over in Detroit. Yep. But he has games where he's dropping 34 points on 17 shots uh, in a win over Washington a couple weeks ago. 33 points with seven made three-pointers in a close loss to Milwaukee. Uh, that was actually two weeks ago. 27, 24, 21. So he's a guy that, you know, if, if you traded for him tomorrow, five times between now and the end of the year, if you gave him 20 or 25 minutes, he might mm-hmm. knock down six threes and carry you in a second half. So yeah, just that little shot, of, that microwave scoring option from three would be great. And again, I thought what John wrote today in Athletic was a nice primer. That had some reporting in it too, but the, the kind of gives you a picture of what we talked about with Dane and I on Friday. The one thing that was like a new little anecdote that I had never thought of was when you're talking about DeLon Wrights and Monty Morris and Tyus Jones – uh, I think that when the playoffs come around, it's got to be as much Mike Conley as you can have. Like he just, I'm not going to say he should lead the team in minutes, but damn near. But John added that kind of thing about how the Wolves would use this player to kind of ease Mike's burden between the All-Star break and the playoffs, right? So there's 20-some games hmm. after the All-Star break to the, the finish line. If you could find ways to have a point guard that could step into Mike's role to keep this thing humming a little bit, but Mike wouldn't have to play, that's another added value to whatever you try to do before Thursday yeah. is maybe you uh, give Mike a little break between, you know, now and April 15th so that come playoff time, that player that filled in for Mike is maybe not as valuable for the playoffs, but they're valuable for the stretch run. But do you think there's also another sort of, is there another math equation here where maybe it's not a backup point guard per se that you bring in, but it's even if it's like a Royce O'Neal or, an, or uh, I guess Alec Burks would fit this category too. It's just a better fit offensively for your second unit so that when yeah. when 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 Jordan McLaughlin is out there, at least the second unit is putting up more points because he's got someone to pass to that can knock down a three in the corner, right? Mm-hmm. So so the burden is off Conley in that, hey, when he's not on the court, whatever combination is out there is just a better offensive combination because you've got a 40% three-point shooter in the corner now. Yeah, and again, 
if Troy Brown's not going to be part of this rotation, and Troy Brown is clearly just a better player than Shake, the Shake Milton thing just hasn't worked, and I'd be yeah. shocked if he's on the team in 48 hours. Uh, I The one thing this team just doesn't really have, because Jaden can be inconsistent, I think Jaden's shooting like 38% again from three, but when you take the starters out of the picture and you bring in the bench, none of those guys are really scorers. Mm-hmm. Nikhil has been above and beyond what anyone could expect. Nas is a microwave scorer. He can get hot, but you don't have that pure scoring guard. And to me, and how I would build a roster, I want my team to look in the playoffs, I think those guys are important. Even if, you know, you might come into a defensive slugfest that that guy doesn't play, but I don't know, I think of the Suns or I think of like the Kings. There might be a time in Sacramento in a first-round playoff series, you just got to outscore them. I think Burks would be awesome at that. It would look different, right? It would look different than what we've kind of watched through the first 50-some games because it's mostly been leaning towards defensive presence on the court rather than offense. But just having that kind of, you know, bullet in the chamber would be would be valuable. So a lot of a lot of interesting guys that are associated with the Wolves. And again, I, I know we're doing this Tuesday afternoon, but I'd be shocked, Phil, if they didn't do something by Thursday. Dude, Chef Connolly, just he's he's just he's whipping up a batch right now. He's just putting together putting together some uh, some ingredients right now, doing some meal prep. I can't even I still can't get over the fact that they made the trade they made last year. Like just to not only get uh, crazy, fleecing. not only get Mike Conley, who we all love, but to get Nikhil, who, you know, at the time was a throw in and has now become I mean, he just turned 25. He's like an integral part of this franchise's mm-hmm. core, essentially. And then to get the three second round picks and to somehow milk that uh, this whole deadline would just look so much different if you didn't get those picks, because you would be like, we have like one second that we can offer up. So that Memphis second round pick that they have this year, it's going to be like top four or five in the second round. It's really valuable because one thing I've been told and we've heard is that second rounders now are really valuable because you're not beholden to the rookie scale. So you can kind of be, you know, those Gupta specials with those deals. You can get a little more creative and you have cost control. I mean, look at Leonard Miller. They owe, they have him on the books for the next four years at like $1 million a year. Is there any player that we just talked about or any player that we haven't, but that might be on their radar that you would include Leonard Miller in a trade for? So like like rental players that can help you win this year. Would you include Leonard Miller in any of these deals? Nope. If they said, you know what? (laughs) T-Wolves, hey, you guys can have Royce O'Neal. We'll take take your Shake Milton contract and we'll take a second round pick, but we have three other offers on the table. We're going in a different direction unless you kick in Leonard Miller. I told Dane last week that Leonard Miller was untouchable (laughs) and he looked at me like I had six eyes. Uh, And then I... (laughs) Watched the Iowa Wolves over the weekend when Leonard Miller had a triple-double. Again, the G League stats are juiced. They're not playing a lot of defense down there in the first place, but even his defensive effort is abominable. Uh, And I've watched enough G League stuff. I've talked to G League people, been to G League games. It's like, I don't don't know who's to blame. I really don't. I don't know if it's they're just not emphasizing shutting down guys in the G League or what it is, but he had some passes in that triple-double performance that are pretty rare for a 20-year-old. And again, I'm just a risk-averse person in general, but knowing what Leonard Miller makes for the next three to four years and knowing what this team is going to face financially, I would put Leonard Miller in a deal, but it wouldn't be for any of the guys we just talked about. I need way more of a needle mover uh, to do that because I think at some point Leonard Miller is going to be a rotation player on this team and possibly a future starter. So for LeBron, maybe for LeBron. (laughs) I don't know how we'd make the salary. Leonard Miller and Mike Conley for (laughs) D'Lo. Run it back. 
Hey, before we get into the uh, random wolf of the week, we'd like to offer you, Kyle, this space to do a victory lap. Chris Finch is going to be coaching in the All-Star game. Happy for Chris Finch. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm glad I didn't do a podcast yesterday because it would have been just a little too petty. But I'm happy for Chris Finch because when we, when we had Jim on, Jim Peterson last Thursday, a lot of the feedback I got both in the comment section or people texting me and you was that Jim Pete is the best because he calls it like it is. And he says what other people are afraid to say. Yeah. And Jim said, Chris Finch and Jim's been there forever. He is Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, Mount Rushmore. That Chris Finch is the best coach this team has ever had. And that, you know, RIP to the great, great, great Flip Saunders. But Jim was like, I know, I know what Flip did in his record. And I worked with Flip and like Chris Finch is the best coach. Then the next day, I think Dane had Britt Robson on his podcast, and Britt's covered the team for 35 years. They've been in existence for 35 years. And Britt said, Chris Finch is the best coach this team has ever had. Wow. And wow. I, I think I need to see one more playoff run before I say that. But those are two sure. very highly respected longtime Wolves opinions. So. And, and we, every week, bring up what Jake is doing over at Howls and Growls, and he might be the smartest person covering the team in that angle by breaking down play sets and stuff and jake's one of my good friends and like he's right on you know that spurs loss that was an abomination of rotations experiments not running enough set plays and stuff after the game so if you analyze your coach in any sport based on just the on the court stuff the stuff you can see the stuff you can pull data from i respect that i don't know if i agree though i don't know if that's the whole picture not in this league. Yeah, there, there's a, the, the ego management department of being a coach in the NBA is 75% of it, I feel like. And Don't you agree? Chemistry I might be low. I, I might be 90% 80%. of it. Yeah. And again, by no means are you and I ever trying to be I'm never I never want to be an insider for the young kids coming up. I think that's not fun. I don't want to be a reporter. But we know stuff, right? We, we have these people on we're friends with them. And my thing has always been you have no idea what Finch is like behind the scenes with these player relationships. And when they won, you know, I it got so bad after the Spurs thing or they weren't really listening. I mean, there was it was bad. Like that's well, it's not sugarcoated. The Spurs game was embarrassing. The Hornets game was embarrassing. But it got so weird and it's usually people on social that have players in their avatars, but that are like, has he lost the locker room? I don't know. Go watch the video after Finch clinched the All-Star game because that didn't look like a locker room that he lost. It looked like every man in there would take a bullet for him. So then you see some of the quotes that came out about how Ant was like, he coaches his players. He's not like a coach who lets us off the hook or tries to sugarcoat stuff for us. Uh, he had that 60-minute film session where it sounds like, by all accounts, he kind of let his staff, but everyone just kind of lay into each other. And then they came out and played really well against the Rockets. Uh, Mike Conley had some really cool stuff about he doesn't back down from anybody. He's a guy that really challenges you, calls you out in front of everybody. To have a coach who can do that and also know the game the way he knows the game is a special kind of match. And then Ant topped it off after the Rockets game too, saying, you know, Finchie's just the best. Gobert was like, he is maybe the best coach I've ever played for too. So it's not a victory lap because there are things he can do. There are things that he can get better at. And Jake points them out better than anyone. And if they don't work on that stuff collectively, they're going to get bounced earlier than we hope in the playoffs. But man, he has the highest winning percentage in franchise history. Uh, there, I think they've made the playoffs in two years, like back-to-back -back years for the first time since, you know, Kevin Garnett was here. Um, 35 and 15 through 50 games. They finished with fewer than 35 total wins in 21 of the franchise's previous 34 seasons. Yeah. Uh, I am just coming at this as 
I've eaten ramen, the, the cheap stuff, not the cool restaurants that put an egg in it. I've eaten ramen for like so many years, 89 cent ramen. And now Chris Finch is like a nice, fresh Olive Garden. And I would like to go to Carbone one day. But man, if you're going to complain about Olive Garden after eating fake noodles that cost less than a bottle of Diet Coke, I don't know what to tell you. And the player relations stuff, you know, a year ago when this wasn't working, I'll end this rant. Everyone wanted Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder, Coach Rudy Gobert, he can unlock him. This isn't working. Is Carl have one leg? Is he ever coming back? They got to replace Finch. Quinn Snyder's 32 and 39 coaching the Hawks. Okay. So he wasn't able to just fix it. Chris Finch has done. And again, you know, if you want to fire Finch after, they're going to blow a game soon. They're going to lose one of those Blazers games and I'm going to be a wreck. If you want to fire Finch after that and bring in someone else, what if Ant doesn't like that guy? What if Ant's like, no, I'm out. Like, I, I, that Finchie was my guy. Finchie was like a father figure to me. He told me yeah. like it is. And we got this new coach. I don't love this. You didn't consult me. I want out. Every action well, has a reaction. So if you want to fire Finch after every bad loss, I get being frustrated. But man, think about all the other dynamics that happen behind the scenes that we try to bring up on these shows and we try to get Jim to talk about and Dane talks about. Like, there's levels to this. It's not just about who runs the best X's and O's in the league. First of all, that was great, dude. That was. That was some of your finest work in the year and a half we've been doing Flagrant Halls right there. No, that was, that was, that was a great victory like lap. Great. Uh, oh, wow. An encore. <laughs> oh, the audience wants more Kyle. Uh, no, I think and, and you've you've perfectly illustrated. I think the plight of NBA coaches, which is and, and by the way, it's not like some of these other sports like baseball where there's 25 guys and there's NFL locker rooms have 53 guys in the regular season, 90 guys in the offseason and. You know, it's just like if if one star player doesn't like another one on defense, who really cares? They don't really have to work together because the room is too big. In the NBA, you've got some of the highest paid athletes and people, people in the world, and egos come along with that. And the rooms are small, man. Like it is 12 dudes on an active roster, 15 if you count Luca Garza on the end of the bench over there. So it is like it is palpable in those rooms. If one player can't get along with another player, think about Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns for the last like six months of that saga. So you're constantly trying to just manage the egos of 21, 22, 25 year old guys who are making 40, 50, 60 million dollars a year. And for the Wolves, it's even more of a high wire act, because guess what? If you're the Lakers or you're the Miami Heat, they've shown for generations now, the Lakers for generations, the Heat for about the last quarter of a century that they can kind of move on from a superstar and then they'll just like stumble into another superstar at some point. Cause it's Miami. It's the Lakers. Mm-hmm. There is a level of having to placate to Anthony Edwards, to Kevin Garnett back in the day, because you're not sure when you're going to get access to another player like that. So as a coach, you're trying to put together the X's and O's in a way that get Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony towns to coexist and thrive together on the court which was an assignment a year and a half ago that almost everyone who covers the NBA on a national level wrote off as being impossible, right? From a tactical standpoint, forget about ego and all that stuff. From a tactical standpoint, getting those guys to play together for the, you know, the requisite 25 minutes a night that they have to be on the court is not going to work. Well, he's made it work, dude. Like statistically, plus 11 points per 100 possessions. And then Anthony Edwards, well, what's been the worry in these markets for, we're so paranoid in markets like this, especially in Minneapolis, that 
the star player is going to leave us. They're going to go to Boston just like David Ortiz and Kevin Garnett. Like they're going to leave us. And so you have to manage and make that player happy, Anthony Edwards. And he's done all of it, dude. Like tactically, he's gotten the two seven footers to play together. And from an ego management standpoint and from a development standpoint, he's gotten Anthony Edwards to buy in to this point. We'll see where this is at in like two years, but it's a really hard job and he has nailed it for the last year and a half. Totally agree. And again, I know it sounds like a rant. It's really difficult and frustrating to not be able to analyze your favorite team that you cover or you cheer for and know all the details. I I get that. I think about that all the time with like the Vikings or whatever. You don't always know what's going on behind the scenes, but that player relationship stuff is way more important than the X's and O's. And if you disagree, I respect it again, but it's just like in 2024, this league is all about, can you connect with these players that, I mean, not to get on a tangent here, but Killian Hayes, who came out in the draft with Anthony Edwards, who has no clout and no ability to do really anything positive (laughs) on a basketball court, was reported earlier this week that his team would like to seek out a trade. If Killian Hayes has a team, we're bleeped in the league, right? Like I saw, he, dude, there was a social media post talking about, you know, who's going to win the Killian Hayes trade sweepstakes. What? Everyone that win, doesn't trade win, for him is going to win. the sweepstakes? Right? Yeah. So you have to, so to my Quinn Snyder stuff, he was tasked with coming into a team that had win-now players and Trey Young, and they had made the DeJounte Murray trade. And to try to kind of correct some of their behavior. Maybe you can get Trey to buy in and play a little more defense. He has not been able to do any of that stuff. They're 32 and 39. He has not been able to get through to those guys. And if this doesn't work, we will now know. It's not because the experiment with the two bigs didn't work, right? Like Rudy Gobert is minted. He's the top 10 Timberwolves player of all time. That trade, no matter what they paid, worked. If this falls through and doesn't work, it's going to be because the young guys that they're betting on, that includes you know someone I like, like Jaden, just weren't able to mature at a rapid enough pace. There are very few teams historically that contend that have players, best player, third best player, fourth best player. There are 22. They just don't do it. Uh, and those teams try to build, you know, eight, nine-year rebuilds until that player's 26, 27 years old. The Wolves are trying to do it now. And if it doesn't work, that's when Finch is going to probably be replaced, right? If they, if they bow out three months from now in the first round, I don't know what Chris Finch's job security is like moving forward. But to think that they're going to let go of him, I mean, Jim said that too. I know Doogie said this on when he does pods on Tuesday and Thursdays. Like, there's no one in the ownership that was like, oh, we got to fire Chris Finch because they lost to the Spurs. That's just these, it's ebbs and flows. If you acknowledge them, you have to respect them that, yeah, they let that one go. They got bullied by the Orlando Magic. Then they use it as kind of a come to Jesus moment, had a big, long video session. And then they treated the Rockets like they were a JV team. Uh, So, congrats to Chris Finch. I'm happy for him. Enjoy Indianapolis. I will not be watching. And I think to sum it up, too, just two very well-deserving coaches of the all-star teams and Chris Finch and Doc Rivers. <laughs> how about Doc great, Rivers? Great job the last four Doc, days in Milwaukee. How about Doc Rivers just constantly being like, I love to golf. I'm hanging out with Larry David. I'm doing Bill Simmons' podcast. Then he gets all this money thrown at him to go coach Giannis. And like a weekend, it was like, yeah, I don't want to go to that. It's like, I'm Dude, sorry also, that you have ESPN, to work. ESPN blew out, and I'm, I was fine with them making it. I thought Jeff, I love Jeff Van Gundy, but I also thought, my God, do you even like basketball anymore, guy? Like Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy got blown out for Doc Rivers, basically. Yep. And then Doc Rivers, as he does all the time, does the about face. So we don't even know who's going to do the NBA Finals now for ESPN. Hey, let's do a random Wolf of the Week here. Let's do it. Presented in part by our friends. At First Equity Mortgage. So a few years ago, 
I had a great experience refinancing my home at the time with David over at First Equity Mortgage. 24 years in the market, Minnesota-based, and they pride themselves on supporting the community and treating every customer as a friend and neighbor. You're going to see David bouncing around as a 20-year season ticket holder for Timberwolves and Lynx games. Uh, Huge Timberwolves fan. And I was doing some counting a few weeks ago, um, thinking about First Equity. And I've had, in my life, I've had 20 coworkers and friends work with First Equity on either home loans or refis. So, I don't know, we're, uh, we're like a roving gang of First Equity supporters here. So, if you're interested in getting the same great experience, go to femort.com. That's femort.com or scorenorth.com, keyword David. Also, if you're looking to deep clean your home, okay, and be honest, when's the last time you really deep cleaned your carpets, your air ducts, okay? Yeah. That's what I thought. Disgusting. You filthy Timberwolves fans out there. Zero Res is here to help you. A 4.9 out of five-star rating on Google, which is insane. 17,000 reviews of validation there. So they're offering the Score North special, which is three rooms, zero resified, starting at just $119 and a free hallway this month, plus $75 off when you get your air ducts zero res clean. That's 952-ZERO-RES. Or zeroresminnesota.com. Say you want that score north special. Spell it forward or backwards. It spells the same. Zero res. Let's get our guy in here. Ross Brendel, producer extraordinaire with the random wolf of the week. Roscoe, what's going on, man? How you doing, boys? Good to see you both on a Tuesday for random wolf of the yeah. week. Look how look how shaken Kyle looks right now. Just can't can't believe after a four nothing start. To the random wolf of the week. Do you see that nervous sip of water he just took? <laughs> I just want fair. I just want you to be fair. Just like the officials. I just want you to be fair. Ross. Six to five, boys. Six to five. It was four nothing, Kyle, and now Phil has just come flying back. So but I'm still losing. So Kyle still has, yeah, he has the six to five lead. <sighs> and if we pull up the standings here, the last handful of random wolves are Sam Mitchell, Derek Rose, Robert Covington, Greg Smith, and Shane Heal. So yeah, Kyle has a 6-5 <laughs> to five lead all the time. I'm looking to tie the all-time series. Kyle looking to get his smile back, looking to change his face. <laughs> and uh, Ross is going to throw out a series of clues. We get up to three incorrect guesses each, three strikes each. If one of us hits a third strike, the other one wins automatically. We can shout out guesses whenever we think we know. No Googling. Those are the rules. Here is your unofficial first clue. I don't think we're going to get too far into this one, so we'll see. We'll see how good I did with these clues. Your first clue for Random Wolf of the Week. This Random Wolf of the Week gentleman has won an NBA championship. So just so you know, we're, to be clear, that was not as a member of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Okay, oh, that was yeah, that was our follow-up. Yeah, okay. yeah. just in case you guys didn't know. Okay, this random wolf of the week averaged seven point six points per game during that NBA championship season. Oh, so, so like this, a, a contributor, like a pretty yeah, pretty solid contributor. This random oh. wolf of the week averaged seven point six points per game during said season. Do it. Uh, oh, he, he thinks. Can I ask? He he was, knows. It, was it multiple championships or oh, just here one? Here we go again. It was just one. <laughs> just one championship. Okay. Okay. We'll see if that helps you or hurts you. This I have random. A guess. That's it. Already. 
Is it Roshon Asterovich? It is not Rosho Nesterovich. <laughs> that was, that was <laughs> a heat check. That was, that was oh, a heat check. Right? This was the end of the podcast. I was pulling up from the logo. I, I, yeah, that, was, that was a heat check for sure. I was just ready to like, first of all, I had to remember that he played for the Wolves and then pick him out of a mental lineup, but uh, that would have hurt me. Thank you, Kyle Ross, was ready no. to throw his mic. He was, he was ready. You could see it in his eyes. Oh, this man. random Wolf of the Week played for five different NBA franchises. Five different NBA franchises. This might help you. This random wolf of the week was or is, we've debated how to frame this before, six foot five inches tall. Dude, we're narrowing it now. This random wolf of the week was or currently is six foot five inches tall. We get three guesses. Three guesses. Yep. This isn't right, but I got to start firing out guesses because I'm so petty. I I have one right on your heels. He's so worried about you. He's so worried about you. Now I don't like it. What do you got, Kyle? What do you got, Kyle? He didn't average seven points. Wayne Ellington. That was my guess. Wayne Ellington is not correct. Okay. That was my, I swear to God, that was my guess, dude. 100%. Okay. This random wolf of the week wore two different numbers in the National Basketball Association. We're not going to get those numbers yet. This random wolf of the week (laughs) was an NBA all-rookie first-team player. I'm already ecstatic that we made it through six of my 17 written out clues and you guys well, have it's 17. Oh my God. Well, you You've narrowed it down so much. Cause like, <laughs> think about how many different six foot five players who averaged like, you know, eight points a game in a, in a key season and won a championship. It's really. Hmm. Well, let's see where we go from here. This random wolf of the week is currently in their early fifties. Oh. oh, this is my I'm wheelhouse now. You guys, you guys may have been thinking too soon or too recent. Oh, man. Okay. Oh, my God. A whole world of players has opened up here. <laughs> I've this, just been aged out. This random. Um, oh, Kyle, oh, oh, I, be- oh, 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 I believe oh. in you, Kyle. I believe it's, in you, Kyle. Uh, Did he win a title? Oh, my God. Sorry. Keep going. This random wolf of the week was born in California. Anthony Peeler. Anthony Peeler. Good guess. Not correct. Okay. Okay. Now we're cooking with gas. Let's go. (laughs) Gonna backdoor. Gonna backdoor. Yeah. Kyle's just hoping to run out the clock now. This random wolf of the week averaged 18.8 points per game in his time with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, dude. This random wolf of the week averaged 18.8 points per game for the Timberwolves. I'm so bad at this. Everyone listening has already gotten it. Antoine (laughs) Walker. Too short. Uh, Antoine Walker has already been used. He was our very first. I'm so spooked right now. You know, that that doesn't count as a guess then. That doesn't count as a guess. So, no, I'm ready to fire. So, Kyle. We already used him. Kyle is so worried about Phil winning. I'm disgusted. And, and Phil now is taking such pity on Kyle, he's not even counting guesses. This is beautiful. Well, I, I would say if you guess someone that's already been used, like, yeah, it's a, we're not going to play gotcha. Okay, here. boys, we're going to turn a corner here. This random wolf of the week was a first-round pick in the NBA draft. 
this random wolf of the week was a first-round pick by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, my God. Dude. This random wolf. But you said 18.8 points a game as a wolf? Yes, sir. Oh, my God. This random wolf of the week played college basketball in Sin City. Oh, my. I'm trying to do math now. No, yeah, now uh, my brain is just... <laughs> I hate so, that you're like, oh, we're not going to make so a card great. on the guest list, and now we're but on they, But they whiffed 14. on a... They didn't even have first-round picks during yeah, some but, of this period, but they did, they did during this period. Maybe I was messing with you guys. Maybe I was just getting in your head about how hard today's one is. Okay. We're getting there now. We're on the backstretch here, boys. This random wolf of the week was traded by the Wolves to Portland. Isaiah Ryder. Kyle is back Dude, in the wow. wind column. That was really so, tough. So so easy in retrospect, too. That's no, a great one. Way I, to go, Kyle. The the draft pick thing. I mean, title with the Lakers? That, with the Lakers, yep. Huh. Drafted by the Wolves helped uh, nice all job, rookie dude. Helped because I mean, that tells you he's a good player. You said six five, right? For yep. height, because yeah. like I was thinking, Phil, you were probably thinking this too. Like I guess Christian Leitner. I don't know if he won a title, but it's like, well, it can't be too him. Short, yeah, he's too short. Um, I don't Dude, know. How- I was trying to think of first round picks after KG, and I kept, but it was because mathematically, I was like, okay, if they're in there, but what is early fifties? I guess he could be like fifty four. Yeah, I was also I had Pooh yeah. Richardson on the mind because now he's in his fifties. Guard. I don't know if he won a title. To be honest with you, I didn't know Isaiah Ryder won a title, but uh, I know yeah. he played at UNLV because there's only a handful of... I think him and Anthony Bennett played at UNLV. Um, I should go look this up. And someone else. Just oh, a couple of quick notes. A couple of quick notes on my end. The algorithm has been very kind. It gave us two very obscure players in a yep. row. Now the last three have been pretty well known. So oh, that's great. Yeah. So don't poke fun at the algorithm. What the algorithm <laughs> giveth, the algorithm also <laughs> taketh. Did you really think Wayne Ellington? Yes. That, okay. I was I, I was mad when you guessed him because okay. I was like I should have just shot it out and you're going to get this point. But I was trying it, to I was I was like letting you I was yielding to you in the crosswalk. There. I, I respect that. I didn't dig too deeply into this, but the list of players that have played for the Timberwolves that have won NBA championships, it really can't be all that big, can it? I mean, I really struggled. to. Th- I mean, Luke Longley won a handful. But there, yeah. so Luke Longley was my when I asked you multiple championships, I, I was I was oh, going to guess Luke okay. Longley. Didn't did uh Rasho would have won a couple with San Antonio, right? At least one, maybe two. He I think right? he was on for sure one of those early two thousands title teams. Yeah. No, that, it's a fun game to play. We should we should look this up. How many Timberwolves players have won championships? And it's gotta be someone who played for the Timberwolves. It can't be like Ray Allen who was drafted. Yeah. Right. Shameless plug for uh Purple Daily and Purple Access. Judd and I did our five favorite Minnesota Vikings to win Super Bowls elsewhere. Like, oh, like on the that. current team right now? Or, just in, or just in general. They played like for the Vikings. Diggs. 
Yeah, Brad Johnson played for the Vikings. Oh, won a Super I got Bowl it. For Tampa Bay. They, so they've already won yep. one in the past. Yep. Got it. Jer- okay. Jarek McKinnon played for the Vikings, won a Super Bowl for Kansas City. We had if some you, fun with that. If you don't say that the player is in his 50s, I would have blown my guesses on. I was thinking J.J. Barea. I was like, he's not 6'5", but like oh. on a title team. And then also Corey Brewer, because like drafted, he's not 50, but... uh. Terry but the Porter was going to be one of mine, too. Oh, Terry Porter would have been a good one, too. So uh, I did not have it that Isaiah Ryder won a title. You said with the Lakers? Yes, in 2001, okay. I believe. Uh, Ryder's an interesting story because when when he was <laughs> yeah. in, when he was in a good spot, he was a good player. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he was he was a good player. Even even if you didn't know his story and you looked at his career numbers, he had a heck of a career, but he probably left a lot of meat on the bone. But yeah, there you yeah. go. There we go, dudes. All right. Kyle, congratulations. Back on the back, board. Baby. Confidence is back. And Are you doing any more of these? I mean, I'm out. I'm going on PTO. Appreciate the time you and off, I, sir. But you and I are both out on Thursday. We left We left it in Phil's hands on Thursday. I think I'm going to try and corral uh, Jim Pete for a little little trade deadline recap episode, if we can make it work timing-wise. But, yeah, we will be reacting, and we will cool. – if they, if they do – and they will do something – Mm-hmm. We're gonna just throw your buds in, and we'll get you. Sweet. We'll get you on from the golf course. Uh, I appreciate wherever you the, yeah, are. Good, Sixteenth at waste management. <laughs> nice, nice winnable game tonight against the Bulls, and they play the Bucks, who are also beatable. And then a couple more games in Portland before the All Star break really kicks off. So trade deadline should be fun. Tune in. I'm sure the Danes of the world and the Johns will have all the reporting, and then uh, we'll talk about it later this week. Amen. All right, it's your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast, Flagrant Howls.